Well, so eight years ago today, um, I can't believe Steve was so mean that he didn't want cakes as well, by the way. Can't believe that, but... Um, I wonder who was around maybe on those first few weeks uh, when we planted the church. Hands up. There you go. You're still with us. <laughs> that is amazing. Wonderful. What I really loved... Say, what did I say? Oh, they said. Um, they're leaving, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what what kind of reminded me uh, this morning actually seeing our young Harry up uh, helping lead worship this morning was I was just reminded of Nathan who was beside him. Is Nathan here? He's still here. And uh, I remember you were similar age, maybe younger when we started the church. And uh, I think Nathan was our token young person. Like literally, he was I think our only teenager. And uh, it's wonderful that you're still with us. <laughs> um, I, I, in all seriousness, you know, that's hard, isn't it? To be the only one or and to to journey with us grown-ups and all the rest and not kind of have that camaraderie. And what I loved actually seeing this morning was just that mentoring, that modeling, that continuing to pass it forwards, pay it forwards, and seeing Harry do that and learning from you. You've learned really well from Phil and now from Sergi, and that's, that's just so, so good. And to say in that that we're incredibly excited amongst our young people right now. It's one of the most exciting places uh, or environments that's happening in the life of our church. Um, I know numbers aren't the be-all and end-all, but sometimes they do reflect uh, health and they do reflect something that's good. And uh, since, uh, <laughs> since I stepped down and Emma started <laughs> leading... Um, the, the number of people attending has, has increased by about 50%. <laughs> so uh, I hear in, uh, hand in my resignation, and uh, no. Uh, so that's incredibly exciting, you know, lots of teenagers gathering on Sunday nights. Uh, a number of them have gone out the room now, and they're elsewhere. And there's just a real sense of expectancy and a real buzz amongst our young people. I know many of us are parents of young ones there, but uh, be prayerful. Be joining Corinne this morning, uh, this morning, this evening, seven o'clock to, to pray, you know. Um, none of this is in the notes. Uh, just sometimes when you, you, you hit on something, it, it seems like the Lord. Uh, we were in school or schools just this week doing a little bit of our mentoring. Just the the culture and society that our teenagers are growing up with, I know probably most generations say it, it's just mental, like, it's mental. And uh, those of us who are parents, we're really uh, finding it challenging helping to navigate the waters and uh, that fine line of empowering young people to live in the world but not be of it um, and yet not wanting to shelter them from the reality of the world and all of that and what it means like to be a follower of Jesus. So join us as we pray this evening and uh, as we support our young people, as we champion our young people. Uh, also love it, the fact that we have, um, it seems to be more and more young adults 
joining and being part of our church. It's fantastic. Um, unless we gather there, we won't have a church in a number of years' time. And that's uh, sadly what's being experienced by much of the wider church. Unless young ones, young families are being drawn and equipped. Um, anyway, that's that. Where are we at? Eight years ago. We're eight years old and we're having our first baby this week. And uh, that's really exciting, isn't it? And as we celebrate that, I encourage you, where's the pioneer in you? It's not that God's called you to plant a church, but if you, ha if you are sensing that, please come and talk to me afterwards. But where is the pioneering? We spoke about that a number of weeks ago, that it's all too easy, especially as we get older, to settle. Just to settle. Live the comfortable life. Get the house. Pay the mortgage off. All the rest. But God's called us to pioneer. He's called us to listen and hear his voice and to step out in obedience to all that he has for us. That's a very long introduction. Uh, welcome to Becoming, week four, uh, becoming who we're intended to be. Uh, come as you are, don't stay as you are, all of the rest. Uh, becoming uh, is really a process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. That's the goal, that's the intention. Last week, very briefly, we concluded this. It is God who does the changing in us. It's him who does the transforming. It's not about us trying really hard. But there is an element where we need to position our lives and posture our lives in such a way that God can come and that he can do what only God can do. We need to give him access all areas to our lives. And we need to learn to yield and come before him. And each week we're kind of setting a little bit of a practice. It's a, a, an idea or something that you can do spiritually throughout the week. And uh, does anyone remember what it was, by the way? I'm not going to ask if you, I am going to ask if you practiced it in a minute. I'm gonna just going to ask, do you remember what it was? Hands up. Good, well, there's 12 of you. Um, so it was to practice spending two minutes in silence. And I would love to know how you got on. And uh, I'm not going to give away uh, a coffee mug this week for a bit of feedback. Oh, let's, does anyone want to have a go? Do you? Come on then. Did you want to have a go and sharing? No. <laughs> You've completely, you did do the two minutes. Great. Do you want to come and share? No? Okay. So I would really love to know how you got on. And so please maybe come and speak to me afterwards. That would be fantastic. This week, what are we talking about? We are going to be talking uh, this morning about how we approach God and relationship with him being the fact that we're all so different. And to help me illustrate this very point, Ed, would you stand up for me, please? I'm not going to make you do anything else other than stand up. Evie Gardner, would you stand up as well, please? Uh, Emma. Would you stand as well? And how about Jenny Norton? Would you stand as well? So there's four people randomly selected. And the question to all of us is this. In terms of relationship with me as one person, 
The question is this. Do each of the four people that I've just asked kindly to stand, do they all relate to me in the same way? It's a yes-no question. Hands up yes, hands up no. Fantastic. You may all sit down. Why? Why do they not all connect with me or have relationship with me or whatever it is in the same way? This is open. Call it out. Because what? They're different. What else? They've known me for different lengths of time. You see where I'm going with this. Anyone else? Great. Some of them do like me better than others. Absolutely true and fair enough. Anyone else? Their values are different. Very good. What else? I relate to them better than others. Yes. Their personalities are different. Great. Some of them know different aspects of me. Super. What else? Any others? Very good indeed. They're male and female. Different ages. They could be coming from a different birth order in their own family, their own family backgrounds, their socioeconomic background, their stage of development, preconceived ideas of people in authority. It could be based on other previous relationships. There's so many different factors that come into play when we have relationship with each other. And the same applies to the way in which we relate to God. When it comes to relationship with God, we each approach him differently. And it's really important that we understand that. And this morning, I want us to help understand that we will all practice different ways that we have relationship with God. But before we do that, I want us to look at this, because this bit is very important indeed. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he writes this about the body, the body being us to the church. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. One of the many facets of our modern day culture is how individualized it is. We are all individuals and we can all have many, many choices. Did you know if you went to Starbucks, you had a choice of four different types of milk? Well, that was exciting and interesting. <laughs> how about this? If you went to McDonald's and with the touch screens, you can customize your own burger. Did you know that? We love it that we get to make our own choices. We have on Netflix, depending on who it is that's watching it, will select certain shows or programs or films that are just tailored right for each and every person. We live in this individualized um, world and culture around us that everything's just right for us. Uh, translate, uh, translate that to values and beliefs and spirituality. And we come across people who have their own set of beliefs, their own way of doing spirituality that suits just them. 
take, for example, the person who's become disgruntled, perhaps, with God, disgruntled with the church, and they choose to be a follower and not attend a local church. I'm just going to do me and God myself. Just going to do armchair Christianity. I'm just going to listen to podcasts and uh, sit in my own chair at home and I'm going to follow Jesus that way. Not so. The body is made up of many parts. And we are all connected to each other and to one another. And the reality is this. Yes, we are individuals. And we all come with our own backgrounds, our own beliefs, and our own ways of doing things. But your own personality, the way that you were made, is God's gift to each other, the body of Christ. What you bring to the table is our blessing, good and bad. And what we, as the wider body, have for you is also your blessing as well. Wanted to frame this individualized thing in that context of the wider body. So we're all different, and we approach relationship with God differently. Uh, One of the books that I've been reading uh, to help kind of prepare for this uses uh, a well-known kind of psychology dude called Carl Jung. Many of you will have heard of him. Maybe some of you have studied him. But Carl Jung came up with this, um, uh, this theory of uh, that each one of us as human beings have four essential preferences that shape the way uh, we relate to the world around, uh, how we process data, and how we receive from the world. And uh, it's the, these four things that uh, form the basis of the Myers-Briggs um, test. And I've asked Stephen, before he leaves our church, to go and plant the church with the others, Stephen Hillis, would you mind coming to explain this much better? Um, and uh, as he comes up, you'll notice his attire. L- last week he was in a suit and uh, jacket, sorry. And now you're stressed. St- stress, what? Oh, I thought you said stressed out Sunday. Well, yeah, there is that too. Dressed, dressed down Sunday. So, would you explain for us, yeah. mate, the, the the four different things and all the rest, and how it kind of helps us for those of us who are not so familiar? No worries. Yeah, it's not often you get a call to work to come and try and explain the four dichotomies of the Jungian topology. But I have a brilliant thesaurus in the office, so that really helps. Um, ultimately, the Young piece—it's uh, a guideline. And ultimately, these are four spectrums. These aren't either or. You're not an extrovert or an introvert. There's a spectrum that everybody falls on. And for the extrovert to introvert, that's very much based on the source and direction of a person's energy. Um, The extrovert, they express their energy externally. I mean, that can be characterized by wearing stupid clothes for a start. You know, um, I told you it was a prop. Honest. (laughs) Whereas the introvert uh, in this particular uh, spectrum is very much based, their energy is internal. They can be seen as shy, but they're not. A shy person is very much, finds it difficult to express. An introvert just doesn't want to. All right? So if you're an introvert, you're not necessarily shy. Okay? The next piece, uh, as we're going to look at it, is the uh, sensing and intuition part. 
And this is a method by which everybody perceives information. It's your preference, natural preference, okay? So in the sensing, somebody who's more down the sensing side of the spectrum pays more attention to the reality, what they can taste, what they can touch, what they can feel, what they can smell. It's based on absolutes. Whereas intuition is someone who thinks things through um, and correctly or incorrectly in many cases reads between the lines and uh, comes to their own conclusion. They're more concerned with the theories than the actual facts. And then you've got your thinking and feeling, uh, and that's, decision that's a decision-based dichotomy. That's how you come to make a decision, make a choice. And the thinking likes a basic principle to be applied after analysis of the pros and cons, okay? To me, that's really dull and boring, uh, but really necessary. Somebody on the feeling side, uh, they're much more value-based, and the person who's making the decision is more concerned about what is best for all involved, but more importantly, what they think is best for all involved. They're not always right. Um, and they're not as concerned about the absolute facts. And judging and perceiving, the fourth one, this is not, somebody who's on the judging side is not judgmental, and it's really important to be clear of that. And somebody on the perceiving side is not necessarily perceptive, so if we can just... Uh, separate those two for now. Uh, judging, people who are judging are seen to like order, planning, set rules and organization, Paul. Um, don't like to deviate off, whereas somebody who's more on the perceptive side can be seen to be much more fluid, flexible, spontaneous, lazy, um, and, and work in bursts of energy as well. Now, opposites, according to the great 80s philosopher, um, Paula Abdul, Opposites do attract in many cases, okay? So um, they actually work really well together. People on one side of the spectrum works well together on the other side of the spectrum. Um, but it can be really frustrating. Is that right, Karen? Um, <laughs> if you know us, you know we're probably uh, quite different on the spectrum. But it's really important to understand why somebody is the way they are. And that's the really important thing. We project our side of this on the other people and we expect them to react the same. That's where relationships fall down and that's basically. Fantastic, thanks so much. And what you've just said, yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I didn't brief him on that last bit, but that is the bit that's really important that we understand, that we don't project the way we are, the way we think, the way we relate, the way that we react in certain situations and we don't put that on each and every person. Why? Because we're all so different. And companies will spend lots and lots of money taking their employees through that kind of stuff to help them in a team situation to understand how we're all so different and why in certain circumstances they react and relate differently. Anyone who's married, you'll know that uh, that's absolutely right. Opposites do attract. And we can be led into this problem of thinking that the way that we do it is the right way and you must do it the same in order to fulfill the same objective. And it's just not like that. The beauty of the body of Christ is we're incredibly diverse, we're incredibly different, and the way in which we relate to God, therefore, will be different. But it's important that we don't approach him in the same way and that we have a one-sided spirituality. When it comes to spiritual formation, it is crucial that we don't just lean into the practices that feel good to us. I guarantee you, if you've been a follower of Jesus for some amount of time, 
there'll be certain things that you do that connect with God that just come naturally. And they're your preferred styles. They're your preferred practices. And yet it's really important if we're going to have a holistic, balanced way of relationship with God that we actually practice a number of different ways of connecting with God, especially when it comes to uh, tending to our shadow side. Some examples. If you are an extrovert, the chances are the way in which you relate to God will be more on the social-sided practices. You'll enjoy this corporate worship. You'll enjoy attending life group. You'll enjoy hooking up with folks. Versus the flip side of that would be solitude and reflection. They would be the, the things that you wouldn't naturally lean in towards. If you're intuitive, intuitive um, you, uh, you uh, will tend to have contemplative kind of practices, but possibly not use senses that will keep you in touch with reality. If you're a thinking kind of person, you're going to lean naturally towards theological and analytical approaches of spirituality, but you're not going to favor uh, less so the emotional aspects of relationship with God. If you're a perceptive kind of person, uh, you're going to lean naturally into the unplanned and unstructured way of connecting with God. And the flip side to that would be a more planned or regular, more routinely kind of practiced way. To help us understand what I'm trying to say here, it is important that we have a more balanced way of connecting with God. Um, all of us here have a left side and a right side. We're left-handed, right-handed. Most of us, the majority of us, will be right-handed. And we'll favor that. We'll throw a ball with this. We'll, we'll write with this. We'll uh, turn the tap on probably much more likely with our right hand. But that doesn't mean to say that our left hand isn't important, and that our left hand isn't valuable as well. Who, question, rugby players, rugby fans, who is the best ever um, out half that has ever played rugby? Come on, call it out. Who, who do you consider to be the best number 10 rugby player of all time? Boise, st start us off. Dan Carter, possibly. But probably a close second, actually. Johnny, who? Sex? No, 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 no. The first, the first name you got correct, the second one, not so. Johnny? Thank you, Andy Howard. Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson is a left-sided player. Has scored hundreds, thousands of points off his left foot, his left leg. And you don't look like that. You know where I'm going with this. But on one beautiful day in 2003, towards the end of a game against Australia, in Australia, in a World Cup final, Andy, you're feeling emotional. Don't. <laughs> we need this for the recording. For the five people that listen to it during the week. Four, yeah. Four surges at home this week. He doesn't have to listen to it in America. 
the ball comes to him and he kicks it off his right foot. Praise the Lord that Johnny Wilkinson spent hours on the practice ground training his right foot as well as his left foot. And the point is this, that we don't just favor the things that come naturally to us that connect with God, but that we also uh, work on our non-preferred side as well. I was in great temptation of actually showing a YouTube clip of that to help us remind one another, but I didn't think I'd get out of here alive. <laughs> Why is it important that we tend to our shadow side or our least favored side? Well, for each of us, there's a special sort of temptation that comes uh, with our preferred styles. Uh, two examples here. If we tend to be an intuitive type, our special temptation is primitive sensuality. And what that means is if, we, if our sensing side uh, is not kind of nurtured spiritually, there is a greater temptation uh, that a person can be led into a more destructive kind of behavior. So if our senses and our sensuality is not uh, tamed by in a spiritual sense, it can lead people into uh, sexual sin and problems there. And it's no wonder, actually, how many Christian leaders probably are intuitive in that way. Another example is if you're a thinking type, the special temptation is emotional explosion. If you don't tend to the emotional side of who we are, even though it's not your preferred style or your uh, preferred way of being, if we don't tend to that side of things, it's no wonder that um, when emotions kind of get the better of us that we explode, emotionally speaking, in damaging ways. It's therefore important that we learn to play with both feet and that we both lean into our preferred style but also our non-preferred style as well. How does it look in practice? Just briefly have a look hopefully at this. Uh, oh, I didn't think it was going to work too well. <laughs> Um, okay, we've got on the left side uh, a number of different uh, aspects. On the next two columns, we have extroversion and introversion. Uh, I'll just explain it from my own point of view. I am much more extroverted. I naturally lean towards doing life with others in this context. I connect with God through corporate worship together in a really good way. I enjoy times like this. I really enjoy groups and I thrive being part of that. And it leads me towards relationship with God by being with other people. On the flip side, an introvert uh, is going to lead much more naturally towards a solitary way of, uh, of connecting with Jesus. Andy Smith, who's pastor at Belfast City Vineyard, he is naturally an introvert. And he enjoys days spent at a monastery. And would, would actually take days of retreat, going to a monastery, spending times in silence and solitude, uh, reading, praying, and reflecting, what have you. If you sent me to a monastery, I'd be climbing the walls come lunchtime. But that's not to say that that wouldn't be good practice for me. Maybe not days <laughs> away, but maybe ways of practicing that I would um, spend time alone, reflecting something that I've shared with you uh, quite a lot recently. 
the flip side to an introvert or their left foot as it were uh, is to participate in action and participation I know that a number of folks who are introverts actually struggle with this environment you are the person that when it comes to coffee and donuts after you're out the front door and I understand that and yet what a good practice would be is to lean into relationship, is to attend a life group, even though it isn't your preferred style, but nonetheless is important for a holistic, balanced spirituality. One size doesn't fit all. And there will be practices that we lean into naturally and others that we don't. But it's important that we practice an array of them. Chantel mentioned one of them. The practice of celebration is really important. And today it's important that we celebrate our birthday. It is really, really important. I know there are days and there are weeks when we look at each other and we're like, we need to have some fun. We need to get out. Either the two of us or we need to go and have some fun with someone that are fun. Why? Because it's a practice it's a practice, and we do it, yes, with each other, but we do it together with him, and it's important that we do that. We were speaking in group just on uh, Wednesday night there about the practice of generosity and saying, goodness, if we, if we tend to see that our gaze is on uh, buying that new car or looking at uh, clothes online consistently, and we're like, we're really wired by that, actually the practice of of generosity is going to really help balance that. The practice of hospitality, the practice of silence, of meditation, of reading the scriptures, of listening to podcasts, of uh, listening to worship music, of serving the poor. There are many, many practices, and I promise you we will get to them soon. We will. I wanted just to outline this morning that it's really important that we don't think that there is one way of doing this. The classic way that I think many of us think is to sit alone in a room at home and spend X number of minutes praying and X number of minutes reading the Bible. They're two wonderful practices and should be bread and butter to us. But it's not just the way it can be done. So, for example, that's going to really work for someone like Chantel, who does that, I was going to say religiously, um, each morning. Very, very disciplined and planned and organized to, 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 to practice in that way. But that's not said to make us feel bad if you don't do that and you don't do it that particular way. But it is important that you reflect on this and think, well, how am I wired? How do I connect with God? And what is the best way of practicing? So a couple of ideas and a couple of practices as we come into land. If sitting alone, quietly, reflecting and praying, you're just not good at. Why not this week practice walking and talking? So go for a walk. Go for a 10-minute walk around the block, but consciously, actively being prayerful as you do it. If you've got a dog, it's a winner. 
You're out already walking it. Well, you should be. <laughs> so as you walk the dog, be prayerful in that time. And just see, just see if that changes something for you. I know for many people, um, reading the Bible in a consistent manner, in a way that is going to feed your soul, is a challenge. And in many ways, it's because no one's ever sat you down and showed you how to do it. And there isn't a one-way way to do it. There are many different ways of approaching the Scriptures and reading the Scriptures that are going to bring nourishment to the soul. And we are going to get there. Promise you. But the reality is for many people, no one's ever sat us down and say, this is how I do it. This could really help you. And again, it's finding what works for you and what's going to be best for you. So here's just another little tip that could be really helpful, another practice for you this week. If reading the scriptures is a challenge, why don't you this week practice listening to the scriptures? I went through the whole of 1 Peter in about 10 minutes during the week. It was brilliant. Just sat in bed. I don't know what you were doing. Probably reading something else because I'm constantly reading. She's an amazing wife. And I just stuck on my phone, version, the Bible app, which many of us have. And if you don't have it, I urge you to download it onto your thing, onto your phone. And I literally went to 1 Peter and instead of reading it, I just clicked the audio button with headphones in there and actively try to engage with the words that were being read to me. And it brings a whole new dynamic and a whole new way of actually engaging with the scriptures. If reading is a challenge, try listening to it. Just two ways, two practices as we come into land.